content warning. This podcast contains coarse language and cheeky themes. So if you've got kids in the car, colleagues in the office, or a nonna in the kitchen, chuck some headphones in. Who the bloody hell are we? Conversations about immigration and culture in Australia with your hosts, Mel and Sonia. Hello, listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of Who the Bloody Hell Are We? I'm Sonia Diorio, and joining me once again is my co-host, Melissa Viola. Ciao, Sonia. How's it going? Ciao. How are you going? Oh, good. First time we're <laughs> recording away from each other. It feels... I'm sad. I'm getting, you know, withdra- yeah, withdrawals so, from you. Social distance recording. Yes. It's our first one. And I'm... It's yeah, our first I'm in the, one? Our last episode, we were across the room and even that, I was like, oof, I need to touch my we're girl. We're getting but further away. The man but says one day, no. One day we will reconnect <laughs> and get back in the same room as each other. Beautiful. Um, no less dream. awesome of an episode though. Oh, heavens no. Um, I'm in comfier clothes. I'm surrounded yep. by blankets and tea. Like if anything, it should enhance enhance everything, right? Surely. Yep. And also we have a wonderful guest. Of course. As always, we have a great guest. And this week, we have Italian photographer who is living in Melbourne currently, Nicola Bernardi. Hello. Welcome Hello. to the show. Welcome How are we to doing? the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Now, uh, I know you because um, you are uh, comedy adjacent, I would say. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> you do live with two uh, great comedians and uh, you also yeah. have taken many awesome promotional shots for comedians and yes. um, are Thank a great you. supporter of live comedy in Melbourne when it was going full throttle. And so yeah. I met you, um, it would have been after a gig and um, saw you around the place at many performances. <laughs> yeah, like I, there's actually quite a few people in Melbourne that think I'm a comedian because I'm <laughs> right? so often in rooms and stuff like this and they go like, oh man, when am I going to see your set? I'm like, well, not tonight. <laughs> are, are you on tonight? Have you just keep the mystery going. Have you thought of doing comedy or you're purely a fan? I'm very much of a fan, but I yeah. thought of doing comedy, not not in a sense of like, I want to give it a crack. It's yeah. mostly like I work with so many comedians and I think that like part of the reason why I'm so attracted to shooting comedians and like trying to like represent them in pictures is some of what they leave on stage. So for me to really understand what some people go through, I should do my five minutes and understand like, how does it feel like to bomb on stage? And like, where is like the, I don't know, what what are the pitfalls of being on a stage with only a microphone and your jokes? Yeah. Wow. It's like method photography, you know, method acting, (laughs) method photography, getting into that character. That's impressive. Um, Nico, when we first met, we spoke about being Italian like yes. as a, something that connected us. Um, I mean, you're like actually proper Italian. I'm just like, you know, diet <laughs> Italian, Italian like. <laughs> and then what does that make me like? With my parents are Italian from there. Zero. Yeah, you're Coke Zero. <laughs> <laughs> All of Mel's uh, grandparents are from Italy. And, okay, um, so we have yeah, like first Three generation generations. Italian, yep. second generation, third generation. Interesting. Third generation. Mm. How long have you been in Australia for? Uh, I would say on and off five years, but that would be a lie yeah. because almost two of those years I was <laughs> okay. back in Europe. Okay, let's uh, stick to the, the truth. <laughs> um, okay, right. so, so like I moved here in Melbourne in July 2014. So that's the, the first, first time. time I arrived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I lived here for three years continuously until 
around June 2017. Then I went back to Italy, um, started doing a bunch of projects, one of which was cycling the Arctic Circle. So for like three months, I was away. Then I came back and I said, like, I want to move to New York. And I moved to New York and I got to New York and I was like, I fucking hate it here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. How long were you in New York? Um, just a little over two months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Had you well, planned to move there full time? And then you were just like, after two months, it was just like a no, or it was like, let's just see how this goes. So for the longest time, I always said that I wanted to be living and working in New York by the time I turned 30. Mm -hmm. That was my kind of like goal. And being a portrait photographer that works with performers and artists in general, like mm -hmm. New York is the place you have to be to get yep. the biggest jobs of your life, I guess. And so, yeah, that was my goal. And so I went there for a couple months just to get, like I had some jobs to do there. And at the same time, I wanted to like meet agencies and establish like network. It's like the sole trader, artist, freelance life kind of thing. It's, it's a lot. There is a lot of... I don't know, handshaking and meeting people required. So you I decided do that like, these to do days, that. Handshaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> right. It's I'm not doing it at all. New York in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I stayed there for two months with the idea of like getting an artist visa that I could qualify for. And then, yeah, after those two months, I was like, yeah, I, I had to find a you. new plan. And that's mm -hmm. when I started thinking, where was I when I was really, really happy? And I was like, oh, Melbourne. Wow. And then Melbourne, and then Melbourne. Like, maybe I should move back to Melbourne. And so That's started that process. Right. What first uh, so draw you here to Melbourne? <laughs> it's a funny story. Um, <laughs> uh, I always say that, like, I, I needed to go to a place where no one knew me and I didn't know anyone. I needed a clean slate. And when I start with that, people immediately think, like, oh, so you're a murderer. Great. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the case. Like, I was just... Are you um, a witness protection? Maybe. How would I be <laughs> able to tell mafia? you? <laughs> Who isn't? No, yeah. but like the, the real thing is that um, I was very lucky uh, as a photographer and I met the right people at the very beginning of my career. So like I'm a self-taught photographer and two years after teaching myself photography, I started working with this incredible photographer that is one of my favorite in the world called Eolo Perfido in Rome. And he's like one of the most famous in Europe for a certain type of work. And we started doing crazy jobs, like big campaigns, like traveling overseas, doing all of these things. And over a couple of years from his new assistant, I became his studio manager and he started giving me jobs that were too small for the studio, like shooting Valentino Rossi for like uh, a cover of a magazine and things like wow. that. And I was like, how am I getting these opportunities? Whoa. Long story short, I did a personal project where I cycled the length of Japan for three months in 2014. And I, as I came back to Italy and I was like, this has been like the best thing I've ever done in my life. I got a call from arguably the most famous photographer in the world, Steve McCurry. And he called me and said like, hey, do you want to be my assistant in Ethiopia tomorrow? I'm like, yes. And so I started working on this multi-million dollar campaign with him for almost a month. And all of a sudden, I found myself going like, wait, am I good at what I do or am I just super lucky? As in, like, I've, I've made a kebab of all the right connections straight away. And so, like, I'm getting all of these opportunities despite not being good enough. And I can't sleep on that stuff. So I just said, well, I'll go to a place where I don't have any contacts. No one knows me. I've never met anyone. And I'll just start from scratch. If I make it somewhere in a year, it means that I'm good enough. If not, I have to reconsider and just... I don't know. I, I'm a comedy fan. So I went like, oh, if it's not New York and if it's not London, where is comedy? And I was like, Melbourne. Doom. Let's go. 
Wow, so that that's great. Um, I've never heard of that perspective or that um, reasoning for going somewhere. Yeah, stepping out of your comfort zone and seeing if you're good at photography. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, damn you for being right. like, I'm self-taught. Oh, I'm shooting Valentino this week. Like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> that is outrageous. That you is amazing. So far in this podcast, casually just brought up two major things. One is cycling the Arctic Circle. Yeah. <laughs> One is cycling around Japan. <laughs> just like very casually. And that wasn't even a complete sentence. It was part of a sentence. So <laughs> Just like breezing through them. It, whereabouts in Italy are you from? So I'm from a place called Rosignano Monferrato, which is as small as it sounds. And as Italian <laughs> as it sounds. That is yeah. like an adorable name. How small is it? 68 people. Whoa. <laughs> Tiny. Yes, that is that is how big. Is that like three families? Three 20 people family. Yeah. Like, and we all hate each other. We have like a side of the village. And there's like a feud going on. Um, no, it's, it's very, very, very small. And it's like one of those, I don't know, ideal small villages on top of a hill with like an old church and that kind of stuff. It's very it close to a city that is like mm. 30,000 people. So like I had my schooling in, in that city. My parents both worked there. So it's just like a little bit of a 15-minute commute. But the village itself, it's that small. It's oh. tiny. Is it in the north of Italy? Northern Italy? Yes. So um, yeah. it's in the northwest. I would say the easiest way to understand where it is, it's exactly 100 kilometers from Milan, Turin, and Genova. So right. it's okay. right in the middle of this industrial triangle let's call it which is the only reason that little thirty thousand people city was born and it's quite like flourishes because it's so easy for companies to establish themselves there so you move to melbourne straight from yes uh, from from the little town um and we're in and out for a few years but what um surprised you the most about living in australia so i've honestly always seen my experience as living in melbourne not in australia like Mm -hmm. i've i didn't really care about the rest of Australia. Well, <laughs> like I, yeah. You, you could argue that Melbourne is in Australia, but I yeah. mean, <laughs> I don't want to get technical. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just that, um, I don't know, I wanted to move to Melbourne because I was going after like comedy and like a certain yeah. type of like yeah. artistic culture and like a certain type of, I don't know, even just the possibilities that are given to people in this city. Where like arts are very much encouraged and there is funding for it. And that's what attracted me. I just wanted to be in a place where people can do things. When when you have an idea, you go like, okay, it's not easy to develop or I need funding and stuff. But there is someone I'm sure in Melbourne that would allow me to do this. And it's it's a very empowering feeling understanding of Melbourne was that it was this artistic place. It was a big city. It had opportunity. But you that was kind of all you understood. Had you ever been here before, even for a holiday? Passing? Wow, that's insane. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that was my understanding. I was like, oh, Sydney is work, 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 suit and briefcase. And Melbourne is like, woo, we are so cool. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to go there. <laughs> wow. what's, uh, what's Brisbane? Brisbane is like just people in bathers, like in the, I don't know, <laughs> on the beach, I guess. Correct, Super buff yeah. dudes and like chicks with fake tits kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but no, that's fair. Um, your experience is living in Melbourne and um, 
you know, we there's a lot of differences from city to city in Australia. Yeah. So you've experienced sort of the creative realm of Melbourne and, um, yeah, you're around a lot of creative people. Um, was it what you expected? Was there things that did surprise you? Um, I don't know. I didn't really expect anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before working with that photographer in Italy, I was living in Japan. So I've always like traveled a lot and mm-hmm. yeah. moved between different countries. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, instead of expecting more of the of a new place you go to, you learn how to expect less. Like you, yeah. you don't want to put your own expectations onto a, a city and then go like, oh, please be the thing that I thought you were, which is what happened to New York. Because for all of my life, I'd been expecting it to be this mecca of like creativity and like just Mm -hmm. people that want to like connect with each other and then it turns out not to be so like I was victim of my own expectations in that case well that's not your fault because it's such a well-documented city it's everywhere all the time we are saturated in information and you know just this nostalgia and romance for a city that we've never been in like and then when you go to New York it's almost like this place is so fake it's so weird I've seen this in films I've read about this in books I've read plays and seen plays like it's so it's it's a fantasy and I, I to be fair I fell in love with New York and I couldn't help but love New York but I can totally understand when people say oh I don't see the hype it, it, I was so excited about it like I get that that's totally valid how could you not yeah yeah have and crazy I mean, high expectations d- traveling <laughs> there um having a holiday there um would be very different to living there I mean I I loved it I loved visiting there but I could also see that it would be quite a harsh city to break into and um, make a living and, you know, make your own way there. Yeah. And also, like, I think, and here I'm stealing a little bit of a of a friend's joke when we're talking about New York. But uh, one of the things that really was confronting to me is that the first few days you talk with everyone around you. And I don't know, the taxi driver and the person that is like making you a coffee and like the neighbor and someone on the street and everyone says like, oh, by the way, like I I do this for a job, but I also invent this and I am a part time, I don't know, HR capitalist. And I also have like a video production company. And you're like, wow, this is so cool. This is why I love I thought I would love New York because everyone's doing all of this stuff. And then when you start looking into that, there is like people are not doing what they're saying. There is this like amplified version of you that you have to constantly sell to everyone around you. And so you got to have a really good bullshit meter, which I don't because (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't lie. I I, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to boast or like flex and those things. So like when I say like, Oh, I've done a little project, maybe it's cycling the Arctic circle. Yes. It was a project for me. I'm not Mm. saying like, Oh, you know, I'm an explorer and like a few, so that's an American thing though. You know, I, 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 and I love, I have so many American friends. I love American friends, but they are taught from a young age to be the best version of themselves and to sell themselves. And I wish I had a little bit of it. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, ostentatious and I don't want to, you know, obviously embarrass myself, but I think w- especially in Australia, tall poppy syndrome is a thing, you know, we're not allowed to be yeah. the, you know, we're not allowed to stand out too much. And I think Americans are the complete total opposite. We're so polarized in that aspect that everyone in, in New York speaks like or in America speaks like that. But they're also like everyone's just hustling all the time. And who could be bothered? Which is amazing and it's something mm. that I love. But at the same time, like if you 
record a little sketch with your phone and your housemates and you then go like, here in Melbourne and then you go have a beer with someone else. It's like, oh, what did, what did you do last weekend? Like, oh, I just recorded like a shitty little sketch for Instagram mm-hmm. with my housemates. If you do the same thing in New York, they go like, well, I was with a very eclectic collective and like <laughs> it's it's a small, like short movie. <laughs> it's funded by this. <laughs> but it's ah, going to be the next big thing. <laughs> It's so exhausting. Like yeah. all the time you have to go like, do I believe yeah, right. this? Yes. No, maybe. Like it's, oh, I don't know. It's really like difficult. That. It's difficult to get that balance right too, because as a performer who I don't have that um, part of my personality, I often um, downplay things a lot and I'm bad at promoting myself. So there's going to be the right kind of balance of, Mm -hmm. you know, asking for things, putting yourself out there and being like, hey, look at this great thing I've done. But then not also um, I'm the best thing in the world or I'm the funniest (laughs) comedian or whatever. There's a bit of a balancing act. So when you moved to Melbourne, you said that you didn't know anyone. How did you how did you find your bearings? Did you have somewhere to live before you moved? Did you just hostel for a while, suss everything out? Like what were your steps into immigrating? So I had a one-way ticket, a one-year visa, the working holiday visa, and I had booked I think six or seven nights in a hostel. Just that was like close to the city center. It turned out to be in Flinders Street, but like I just didn't know anything. I was yeah. like, well, that seems close to a station. So yeah, <laughs> good enough. Um, yeah. So like the first day, I think I, again, being used to like moving to countries, like you kind of know how to navigate the system. So first day you like buy a SIM card and you try to get like, I don't know, all the documents you kind of need. You open an ABN because I'm a sole trader, like all of those things. And then you just look for an apartment and I didn't want the perfect apartment. I was like, I need something for six months and then I will find everything else. So I found this like tiny studio apartment on Flinders Street at near um, Southern Cross Station. There was literally like a shoebox with a door. It was incredibly small, but it was cheap enough. So I was like, that's good enough. I can lock in my belongings inside. I can cook dinner. I can sleep and shower, done. Great. And so from there on, like I started looking for work and uh, started connecting with a bunch of like galleries and agencies and stuff. But at the same time, I found some little jobs in editing photos for other studios. And yeah, little by little, by hustling in the sense of trying to meet as many people as possible. So like every night you're out, you're at a creative meetup, you're at a comedy night, you're um, wherever, like wherever you can find your audience and the people you want to connect with, like I was there. And the funny thing is that the first night that I was in Melbourne, I asked the guys, it was a Monday, and I asked the guys, uh, where should I go? And they're like, oh, there's this like shitty little place on Burke Street called Spleen. I think they have some free comedy. I'm like, (laughs) yes, and it is my favorite place in the world. So like that's where I met a bunch of my friends. And like that's where I met Ben Knight, that is one of my housemates that became my housemate even before moving in together now. So like we lived pretty much the whole time I was here, we lived together. So yeah, that's where I met you. I'm pretty sure. Yes, indeed. After the comedy gig, yeah, yeah. So if you go to Spleen when it's back up and running, you will see Nick there. (laughs) And weren't you the Spleen comedian of the year, Sonia? Don't sell yourself short. Me, yeah, but that promote promote (laughs) old awards has absolutely nothing to do with this podcast episode. Yeah, I'm just plugging you. I'm being. Oh, sorry. Okay, pretend I'm in New York. 
That's there we go where again. I You're met an American. You. By the way, <laughs> 2017, I won Spring Comedian of the Year. Come on, you've got to be a cheerleader for yourself, son. Come on. Yeah, I should be. Um, great. Um, so it sounds like you have a very uh, socially active life here and have made, you know, a lot of com- connections with comedians and are out a lot. Is that similar to how you spent your time in Italy? Were you also very social then? Is it a bit different or...? Um, I've always worked on the assumption that like nothing ever happens at home. Yep. So you have to be outside of the door. <laughs> like that's, that's yep. always been, which by the way, um, explains why I was struggling like crazy in the last few months yeah, with the isolation yeah. and like lockdown. Yep. And we took it very seriously. And I'm still yep. living with like Ben Knight, Nick Kappa, Nick's girlfriend. It's a great place, great friends, a great bunch of housemates to have. But still, I'm going insane. (laughs) Yeah. And now, like, slowly, gradually being able to, like, be outside and just randomly meet people and, like, all of that, it's it's a blessing for me. Yeah. Because I've always needed that. Yeah, I was finding that too. I mean, just naturally as a comedian, you're out most nights. You're out at gigs. Exactly. it's not just the performance of it, then you do meet people and you socialize and that sort of thing. And then when that's all gone, it's like, it's a bit of a shock. Um, Cool. So you've always been um, quite a social person. That's great. Um, Yeah. Like I can't shut up to save my life. That's why (laughs) you called me and said like, Hey, do you want to be on this podcast? Of course. That's another hour I can talk during the day. It is the best. Okay. And how about your work life? How is that? How does that differ here in Melbourne compared to when you're in Italy? Well, I will say that in Melbourne, but pretty much in Australia generally, mm-hmm. there is a very different, um, I don't know, there is a very different approach to creative arts and um, photography in my case, in my industry. So yeah. it is valued. It is paid well. Like people understand the value of a good shot. People understand the value of like a campaign. Why would you invest more money into doing this than another thing? So like that's, it is very refreshing. In Italy, it's like we are the super creative artistic country. And I don't know, you walk around and you're like, you see the Coliseum and incredible works of art everywhere. And it makes it so, I think that the little things are valued less because who, right. who are you? Michelangelo? No, that shut up <laughs> kind of thing. Like, <clears throat> are you inventing the Vitruvian man? No, then like, just keep taking your photos. Chop, chop. Whereas wow. like in, in Australia, it's very different. And it feels like, I don't know, my work is valued and I can find jobs more easily. And like, I don't know, establish relationships and all that. But also at the same time, it feels like the whole culture that you have here in Australia values contemporary things more yep. than past ones, yep. mm-hmm. partially because the history of this country was erased, but also... It's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> a very important point to make. Yeah, but also like it feels like this country existed apparently only in the last like, I don't know, 200 years. And so if you're an artist today, what do you do today resonates with the culture of Australia. Whereas in Italy, you're always standing on the shoulders of giants and you're this tiny thing that will never make a breakthrough. Yeah, and you don't have to go far in Italy to see very, very old artwork and architecture. Like you can just like walk around the streets of a major city and it's like you're walking around a museum, you know, a gallery. Um, Very true. Yeah, so I guess 
that's such a high, it's such, so highly regarded in history and it's such a high level of work. It's kind of like, well, how, how can you compete with that? And, um, yeah. you know, anything, any modern art isn't going to be that good. Maybe there's a bit of that kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like, and so people don't pay attention too much to what is around them in terms of like, what are my peers doing? It's always the looking back into what the greats did. Right. Which is a great way to study, I think. And it's beautiful that you can just go, f like, take a car, drive 100Ks, go for mm -hmm. a walk in this city that is just incredible architectonically. But at the same time, like, get that in, but then use it again instead of, I don't know, just celebrating the old. Yeah. Like, Ooh, remix. Yeah, one of my favorite chefs in the world is uh, Massimo Bottura. And yes. um, he he's incredible, but he takes the tradition and he says you can actually improve upon tradition in cooking. And that's very controversial point in Italy. Yeah. Oh, that's why like, he's a massively famous chef around the world. Yeah. Like he's insanely highly regarded. And then in Italy, still very regarded because he's brilliant. But at yep. the same time, he doesn't have that cult following because people don't really like that idea. It's like, oh, you're going to change how we do carbonara? Mm, we don't like you anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen him make a uh, souffle from panettone. And he says, oh, nice. you know, you've dream. got the panettone and, you know, it can be if you get a dry panettone or whatever, you can actually make it so much better by turning it into a souffle. And um, that's obviously pretty controversial because it's like, no, yeah. we like our old traditional food, traditional way of making food. Yeah. And to suggest that it's better is... Uh, so How is religious. he still alive? I'm surprised some old nonna hasn't just like whacked him. <laughs> he works a lot in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but his main restaurant is, is in Italy still. Yeah. In Modena. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we've spoken a bit about um, your work and uh, moving here. Now, you're also in a long distance relationship. So your partner lives in Italy. Is that correct? Yeah. She lives yeah. in Milan. And how what long? A, what a place to be right now! All oh, right. How, <laughs> so, how long have you been together? So we've been together not for very long, actually. Like it's mm -hmm. been a year and a couple months. Mm -hmm. And did you so meet it's her a very here? New, or no, I was. So <clears throat> in December 2018, I decided that I was gonna. I, I came here for a wedding, and I saw a bunch of my friends, and I said, "Like, yes, I want to move back here." Yeah. And to make that happen, I had to start the whole like bureaucracy process and like getting the visa and showing that I'm not a criminal and a million times in different countries. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Anyways, while I was doing that, <clears throat> I came to Australia for like a week to like get some more documents and went yeah. back. And this was in March and. As soon as I landed back in Italy, I was like, okay, these are the last documents that I need. I can finally apply for the visa. In July, I will move to Melbourne. And three days later, I met her oh. <laughs> in, in Milan. I was like, great, great. That happens <laughs> often. I've heard of that happening often. Before, yeah. Just before people are going away, you meet someone. How did you meet? She's an illustration artist and a set designer. She works with um, the biggest theater in Italy called La Scala in Milan. And she's, um, we met at this illustrator's night that we were running with some friends of mine that are um, illustrator and comic artists and all of this in this little bar in Milan where every Wednesday there is kind of like an urban sketches meet where people have to draw each other. And whenever you gift someone uh, 
a portrait of them that you've sketched, they have to pay a glass of wine to you. So it's a nice way to get people to know each other okay. and like to get everyone drunk and all this. So like there is, it's a very active night of the week. And it's usually like maybe 30 or 40 of us. I am clearly not gifted when it comes to drawing. That's why I need a camera to picture things. And um, yeah, this friend of mine just said like, there is going to be a lot of very shy artists around these nights. And I need someone that can talk to like Waltz that keeps the conversation <laughs> happening. So like, well, would you mind like coming in and like just always being there and helping me manage the room? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I did that. And she was one of the guests at that, at that event because she's a really good illustration artist. So like we just met there. Right. And then you moved here. Yes. And then three and months later, I was like, oh, I whoa. love you. By the way, I'm moving to Australia. Oh. <laughs> and so you've been in a long distance relationship ever since? Yeah. yeah. And how difficult has that been? Oh, super easy. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> Is there irony You don't here? even want to live in the same city. <laughs> yeah. Oh, imagine that. How awful that would, would that suck. be? <laughs> no. Well, like, of course, it's it's hard and it's difficult. And I don't know, it's frustrating because you, I don't know, you experience the other person only through like a small screen on your phone constantly. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a, a whole lot of problems that go with it. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I don't know, even just recently we were talking about it and it's the fact that when you're FaceTiming someone uh, or like you're in a conversation with a video chat in, in any capacity, you're always so deliberate about what you do. Like what do you get from the other person is a very crafted and deliberate and chosen way to show themselves you never get to i don't know glance over and see the other person doing something and going like ha ah, i love her it's always like look at me look at me right you know? yeah and i think that's not a way to experience a person and also it's the fact that um you're constantly in two different moments of your day even when you have like yep. we both have mm -hmm. time i don't know like usually um when it's 4 p.m here she wakes up so we have like a, a chat there but like i'm usually super hyped up like i've done this 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 about this happened i'm so excited and she's like stop talking i'm <laughs> waking up i'm like oh sorry and then by the time she's like at the hot spot of her day when she's excited and doing things i'm going to sleep so i'm usually like just barely like keeping awake or like yeah huh? Mm -hmm. and like it's <laughs> there is that too so you're mm. you have to be mindful of like what part of the day your partner is so have you thought of um moving there or has she thought of moving here because of the yeah. relationship yeah. so um we originally our plan was like for the first bit we're gonna see each other like maybe every two or three months yeah. and so i would go back i went back in november last year for three weeks and then she came here for five weeks for christmas holidays and she got to experience melbourne and living together here and it was amazing and we decided like that she would eventually come here Mm. And yes, that's where then we stood before happened. coronavirus. Yes. Yeah. And then now we don't know whether it's going to be possible for her to come here in August, which was where we planned. So mm. we're waiting. Mm. So I don't know what is going to happen. <laughs> we'll see. If, oh. if, I don't know, if I, if there is no chance of us being together because Australia will not open the borders for a long, long time coming, I might move back. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough decision. Um, sorry, I was just going to ask in the middle of that. Was that the first time that she'd been in Australia? Yes, yes. Whoa, that's that's huge too. Just like going and visiting a new place, and then having that excitement and 
you know, yeah. that would be so exciting for the two of you and such a lovely time. But oh god, that's very yeah. stressful. Like discovering that, so stressful. Yeah, discovering that she really enjoys it too. And um, yeah, having so much hope and excitement, and <laughs> yeah, something that is out of all of our controls has yeah. disrupted our life. My brother is in the same position as you. My brother and his partner. He was living in Canada for a couple of years. Uh, they fell in love. They started a relationship. She was supposed to move in May, and the borders closed. So <laughs> she's now just waiting. She's just stuck in Montreal, living with her parents. You know, old ticket in hand that now means nothing, and their relationships also on hold. Like I can't imagine how many people are in the same situation where it's like we just oh, have to. I wait want to and give see. your brother a big hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what he's Crying. going through, and vice yeah. versa. <laughs> oh my god! You obviously would have spoken to her a lot over the past few months. Um, she was <laughs> yeah. uh, in Milan, so you know, smack bang in the center of. Uh, yeah. Things. Um, how was she coping with that situation? Um, well, like she, like my family and most of my friends, um, Martina was lucky enough to like um, be able to move to her mom's house with her yeah. two uh, siblings, so like a brother and a sister. And so they hadn't been living together for a long time. So that was a challenge because all of a mm. sudden you're with three people in a small house and you can't leave because in Italy the the lockdown was a lockdown. Like yeah. Yeah. you couldn't just freely leave the house. You needed a reason, whether it was grocery shopping or pharmacy or like medical situations, but that's it. And there were like police around checking if you had the right reason and if you bought your grocery kind of thing. So it was very tense. And so, yeah, like that came with a whole set of challenges, but she was not living in her apartment in the center of Milan, which is where like there's too many people in the city and it's just like there's a lot of contagion happening and stuff so she was a little bit outside and so my family as well like in the countryside living in a 68 um inhabitants village really helps with pandemics <laughs> yeah. because <laughs> like it's very different to catch anything there uh mm. and also like you're in the middle of nowhere so you go for walks and like no one's checking on you. Like yeah. you can, mm. I don't know, have a barbecue by yourself or like with your significant other, like in the garden every day and no one's going to ever say like, hey, you know. It's not like in the cities. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, they had a proper lockdown. I, I mean, we say here, people say offhandedly that we're in lockdown or quarantine or isolation or whatever, but it's not, it's not an actual lockdown. We were never... Um, stopped from going outside and having a walk, going for exercise or going to the shops or anything. Like <laughs> in, that, in Italy, it was in our very severe. In mm. our beautiful country where we know the kind of people that uh, we are, like they yes. said like, hey, you cannot leave for any reason. <laughs> but look, if you're a runner and you need to train, you're still allowed to go outside. <laughs> and everyone started running. Everyone. <laughs> And then they said, like, no more running. You guys are all full of shit. So the only reason you can leave the house now is if you have a dog and you have to walk it. Yeah. And people started putting ads on Facebook Marketplace, <laughs> renting their dogs out. I kid you not. Oh, it was the best. Incredible. That's incredible. So, so it's just never give Italians too much power because we will find a way to ruin it for <laughs> everyone. So. Well, yeah, we cannot be contained. So obviously it's been quite difficult living away from your partner and I know that you've uh, worked on some creative projects with them while you're here and um, she's in Italy. How did they come about? Um, well, we're both creatives and so part of the spark that we have between us, yep. not 
It's not just like love and you're the person that I want to spend the life with and everything like that. It's, there is also a very deep respect about like what we do and like we're I'm immensely inspired by what she does and she is by me. So like um yeah, like we decided that we wanted to do things together. So one of the, I think it was in the first stint of the long distance, we decided to come up with a project so we wouldn't have to just, I don't know, tell each other how the day went all the time, mm, you know? Yep. Like we're, toge we're together, but we're apart. We can still do things together and we can still like, I don't know, get that enjoyment, that like excitement about having to go through a project together. So the first one we did was a very simple 30 portraits in 30 days. I would have to shoot 30 portraits of strangers here in Melbourne um, over the course of the 30 days of September. And then she would have to do the same uh, in Milan sketching. And so like the pictures don't even don't talk to each other, but mm -hmm. they are like two moments in each other's day. And uh, the idea was that we needed the other person to keep ourselves accountable. So yep. you wouldn't want to be the person that would go like, oh, I'm too busy today. I can't commit to this because then the other person would be left off. And so, mm. yeah, it's, it's a good challenge, good way to keep ourselves on our toes create, creatively. And yeah, we enjoyed that. And we said like next time we're together, which was in December and January, um, let's do something where the both of us create something that is, how can I say, it's a one single piece. It's not two images that either talk to each other or something. Let's do something that is just one artwork. And that's when we came up with this project called Tetris. Yeah, mm. what an incredible way to connect when you're on the other side of the world. And very romantic. It's very interesting. <laughs> also, it very side romantic. note, this is super interesting. The three of us are all dating creatives or all all of our partners are creatives. We are. And I think well I think there's something really important being having someone who understands your inspirations, uh, your drive to do creative work, but then also someone to bounce ideas off. Like, I mean, all of our partners don't necessarily work in the mediums that we work in, but having someone who also thinks and creates and and you know I think it was it's a really interesting dynamic to have. And I think it's also it's also related to the fact that creatives. Well, like we are naturally attracted by creatives, like in in our lives. Like you can't create as a person and not want to share that with someone someone mm -hmm. else. You want to see like their mm -hmm. vision of the world, whatever medium it comes out of. And at the same time, I think that only creatives can be the real, the people that really push you. Yeah, yeah. Is it the same for you guys? It's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, my partner, we work in different performance types. He's a spoken word poet. I'm a comedian, yes. obviously. So he <laughs> writes a lot of poetry about um, uh, trauma, uh, displacement, addiction. And um, I write a lot of jokes about cum. So there are <laughs> slight differences. Um, but, you know, we still support same each topic. other. Same topic. And, Same topic uh, can be about trauma, you know, displacement, and addiction too. <laughs> None, no one is more worthy in the artistic world than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and so, obviously, you're going to miss uh, your partner greatly, being on a different side of the world as them. And how about um, family? Do you have a lot of family that um, you left in Italy? Do you get homesick? Um, yes, I have a lot of family, mm -hmm. like a medium amount of family. Medium, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know <laughs> that in Italy, <laughs> yeah, but like in Italy, having a lot of family yeah. is a lot. Is like, a lot of family. You're talking yep. like triple digits sometimes, yep. whereas like I'm not there. But like I have two sisters, um, my mum and um, 
nephews and nieces and all of that. So yeah, like I, I have a core family that is like more or less in that area. Like my mom is the only one that lives in the village. Everyone else mm. lives around kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but like we, we do miss each other. We love each other dearly. Yeah. But we, we got so used to being apart. Mm. Like, for example, I am the split image when it comes to character and behavior of my mom. And yeah. so whenever we are together, it's weird because it, it's almost like Highlander. There can only be one and we just like <laughs> fight each other to death. And so we're very, very Italian in the sense of like we scream, we like shout, we like throw things at each other. Like it's it's a proper like movie every dinner. Yeah. And, in, in, uh, in Italian, that's called talking. Yeah, it pretty is. much. That's like it's a, a polite night. exchange of opinions. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's um, so funny. Yeah. And so like <laughs> we always say to each other, like we love each other, but we love each other more when we're apart. Like our relationship yeah. is perfect yeah. when it's like it's diluted like throughout right. the week. Yeah. So diluted yeah. through several countries <laughs> distance. Uh, 25 like time codes and like time zones aligned. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh great. I love that you said that cuz I played my mom came over to we moved house in the middle of covid and my mom came round for the first time to see what the house was like. She came by by herself and me, my boyfriend Alex and my mom decided to sit down and play a game of cards. And oh my God, Alex almost like hid under the table and was screaming so much. <laughs> <laughs> and my housemates came out thinking like some fucking drama was going on. It was just like me and my mum yelling about gin rummy. Oh my yeah, God, it's so outrageous. So I definitely yeah. understand that. Yeah. It's Scala Quaranta. I'm sorry. This is how we play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our how family. are you supposed to play in silence? What are my you talking family about? is very loud. Yeah. Um, how, uh, how has your mum reacted? I mean, obviously you know you discuss feeling closer to each other even though you're so far away but Australia is so far away was she god I know my mum whenever I travel even traveling not even moving overseas gives me that fucking guilt and just lays it on me (laughs) I love her for it but also she yeah it's there did your mum kind of freak out when you decided to move to Australia permanently rather than just traveling no well like I think I've uh I always say that I'm a very lucky person and like part of the luck I was born in or into is exactly like that culture of like, go do things, mm-hmm. get the fuck That's out. Right. That's like it's right. very non-Italian. When I was 18, they said like, okay, cool. You can drive a car. You can live by yourself. Great. Right. <laughs> that's, no, that, that's well, really that's good. unheard it's, of. <laughs> it's not very, uh, you know, mama's boy type thing. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it shows in your tenacity and and your passion for your work is that you you know you're a go-getter you work really hard and that's not something that you just pick up when you leave school it's something that you have to develop from being basically a kid so it's really great that you're you know you had this support in your family to do what you wanted to do but also encouragement to like you know get your ass out there and do it uh my favorite story like the craziest story i've ever heard about like an italian mother really coddling her child we were in mugnano just outside of rome i don't know like 30 minutes outside of rome at uh, my cousin's uh, holiday house and the woman who let us stay in this house let us in gave us the key you know made us coffee it was really lovely and she was like oh you know I'm really sorry I've got to go I've got to drive to Rome and I'm like oh yeah cool what's going on she's like I've got to go and pack my son's bag he's going on a business holiday oh no She left Mugnano to drive 30, 40 minutes to Rome to pack the bag of her son, her working son. He was a man. He was doing a business trip. (laughs) Isn't that – doesn't that blow your mind? That woman exists. That man exists. He was a man. No, he was a boy. (laughs) 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 Isn't that outrageous? So what's your podcast about? 
Oh, um, so we have a podcast in Italy with my two best friends that is called Very Originally Power Pizza. And it's... <laughs> It is the most Italian thing you can do. It's basically like the three of us being super nerds and very excited and interested about very peculiar things. And it's yep. usually pop culture. So it's movies, it's uh, series, uh, books and all this. But like, that's a gimmick. Like yep. we don't, that's not the main thing of the podcast. If I had to describe it, I would say that it's, yes, a review podcast, yep. but it's a very dumb and like funny review podcast because it's based on the chemistry that we have. Yeah. We, we mm -hmm. met in university studying Japanese. Uh, we worked in radio for quite some time. Then we did like all of those trips by doing like vlogs and things like that. We have just this best friend chemistry, very much like you guys do. And yeah, like you, you work on it and any content that you talk about, it's going to work. So like that's the podcast that we have. Um, so it's in Italian, obviously. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's all in I Italian. So I think uh, our listeners should give it a listen. If you want to learn Italian, what right. a great way to learn. Horrible way to learn, but definitely a funny <laughs> one. Horrible to, way to learn, like proper grammar, right? Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Also, this is quite like a, a joke in my house with Ben and Kappa, but like when Martina was here, she told jokingly everyone, which is, yeah. by the way, very true, that I speak English way better than I speak Italian. Like I'm, I'm not as, I don't know, like I don't have as much as, as a vocabulary in I Italian, got, no. I guess. And I so <laughs> like I sound a lot more dumb. Are you currently recording throughout all this COVID stuff? Are you recording over? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like we've, uh, it's funny, like even we started when I was in Italy, but uh, we lived in a different place. Like the three of us would live in three different cities. So we've always been recording remotely and like. That's how we learned to, I don't know, um, create the timing that we have in the in the podcast. Mm. So like yeah, we did right. a couple like live shows because we have quite a big following and we did a couple live shows and it was weird because I was like, oh, I didn't know I could get like visual cues anymore. I can, <laughs> I can understand <laughs> when someone's stopping to talk or like starting. It was quite funny. That's great. So you were all That's already awesome. set up for social distancing <laughs> and COVID. <laughs> Kinda, yes. You knew, you knew. <laughs> <laughs> we planned for it. <laughs> Bill Gates. Um, great. <laughs> I love. <laughs> so where can people uh, find your podcast? Uh, the podcast can be found pretty much everywhere. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure we're the only one called Power Pizza, but like, yeah, Spotify <laughs> or Spreaker. Uh, that would be a good thing. Or in, on Spotify, there's also another podcast that I run uh, called The Framework Podcast, which is a co-working space that I help run and I've, I've been part of for quite some time here in Melbourne. So that's the English one. <laughs> yeah. And so if, if anyone's interested in listening to my voice a bit more, that would be the other like thing to right. go to. You should. It's a great voice. Um, and where can people find your photography work and creative other creative projects? Uh, everything can be found at www.nicolabernardi.com and I know <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> enough <laughs> there's going to be a, a lot of typos on people people's URL, well, URL bars the good thing or, is when you're typing you don't need to roll the R's yeah, I was yeah. going to say, how many R's are in there? Like three each? <laughs> 17 no, um, but like or maybe on Instagram at K-U-M-A-N-I-K-O, which is Kuma Nico, 
which is a, a play on a Japanese word of panda because I look like one. Uh, we'll put the link in our podcast notes as well. If you want to see more from us, we're on Facebook at Who the Bloody Hell Are We? Um, we're also now on Patreon. So if you'd like to support us and donate a little bit of money to help us keep this great podcast running and getting more interesting stories from people who have immigrated here, uh, check us out on the Patreon website. Thank you for joining us, Nico. Nicola, how do Thank you go? You. How do people, what do people call you in Australia? Um, I tell everyone Nico because for, Nico? A, for a long time people read Nicola and assumed mm. that it was like a, a, a woman photographer coming in yep. for the job. Yeah, right. And I had quite a few hiccups because of that. <laughs> so it's Nico for everyone now. Nico. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining Th- thank us, you. Nico. Thank you for having me. This is a, a great thing that you guys are doing and I find it very, very interesting and I can't wait to like hear about like other stories. Like immigrants always have fun stories to share I think and a fun like outlook on a society or a culture that you kind of like take for granted because you were Mm. born in it so absolutely and there's yeah Ah, there's so much much. to relate to but then everyone has their own incredibly individual stories like you thanks for joining us thank you ciao ah ciao Ciao. to all our beautiful listeners (laughs) thanks for listening to who the bloody hell are we If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Audio production and original music is by Andre Christodoulou. Search for us on Facebook for more information about our guests, fun content and to keep the conversation going.